I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. And this is True Alignment, the True Alignment podcast. Welcome to the conversation where we explore alignment and life. We're podcasting to you from the Innovation Center at Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. You can visit us on our website at truealignment.com. And as always, we invite you, we welcome you to send us your and share with us your comments, your thoughts, your question. And as always, we'll do our best to to listen, uh, pay attention, to understand, and to bring your thoughts, questions, and comments uh, into the podcast. Today, we'd like to welcome you to a conversation about change, about change. In our uh, previous podcast, we talked about the Great Resignation and the idea that the Great Resignation is much like the big quitting, and it's informing us a lot about the current state that we find ourselves in, accelerated by the pandemic as people, through our current age of awareness, begin to explore their lives at a deeper and more meaningful uh, level and make choices in both their professional and personal lives and looking at themselves in a more holistic manner as to manner in terms of how it is that they attain success and fulfillment. As a result of that conversation, uh, Ken and I and, and our colleagues, we've been talking a lot about the idea that we're actually the great resignation is is uh, an, an event within the context of great alignment, which is that as we become more aware of our society and who we are as individuals, that we're striving to create greater alignment in our lives. Jagger, I'll jump in, which is a positive thing as opposed to how we often think of change as something negative. Yeah, very much so. As, as most of us would readily recognize when we think about change, the first thing that comes to mind is what's going to happen to me and because everything in life is, is so personal. And so this idea that um, really that when we think about change, we uh, unfortunately, in a way, almost immediately think about what we're going to lose and what the downsides of change are and the stress and anxiety that comes with it. So today we'd like to explore that a little bit and take a look at what you just said, Ken, and that's the more uh, opportunistic side of looking at change. After all, it's something that's innate in us to, as, as human beings. We all want to innovate. We all want to solve problems. We all want to create changes in our lives so that we can uh, get our needs, our desires fulfilled and get from life what we want. Yeah. Yeah, and that... Uh, we're going to have to talk, uh, Edgar, about kind of the role we personally play in, in change, the choice. And I think that's really our conversation about the great resignation last time was a conversation that people were leaving without anything figured out before they left. Yeah. Um, right? And that was a conversation a little bit about taking back some personal personal control. Yeah, it is. Uh, one of the things that happens to us in change, uh, so to, to break it down, uh, William Bridges years ago wrote a great book, Transitions, and he broke it down in a way that I think is really valuable, and that is to say that when we uh, engage in change, it's actually an external force um, that's manifesting and impacting or influencing our lives. So you have that piece of it, and then there's the internal side, which is the psychological reorientation to change, which is more about than transition. It's really, in effect, what we're talking about here is we're not so much managing the change, rather, manning, in a way, 
managing and leading ourselves through the change and our own personal transitions psychologically. And so there is three key elements to that. The first one is that we undergo some kind of an ending. So something something shifts in our lives and we actually see some kind of ending to whether it be an activity, a part of our lives, perhaps losing a loved one, an ending to uh, you know the way that we've always perceived our family, or perhaps leaving a job is an ending. And then we, we have a beginning, which is how we unfold or unpack what the future can look like, and we, we create new beginnings in our lives. Well, there's, there's everything in between, and I like to think of that as exploration, that those are the opportunities where we explore and we can begin to make sense of the change and how it is that we're psychologically moving through it. And keep in mind the psychological piece of it, um, when we think about the phases of, of change, there are actually phases of transition where we have grieving, we have anger, um, we can get into melancholy. Uh, of course, we can also have excitement about the change and discover what's possible in it, which is then taking the more opportunistic view of it. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, I was, um, thanks for sharing that, Edgar, as I was, uh, I was talking about this, this weekend with my wife as we were uh, out hiking and walking with the dog in some of these things. And I was recognizing some of my own personal roles from my past uh, and, and present that I play and, and really my role in offering up personal choice, which isn't always positive in the roles that I, <laughs> that I have played and do play. Um, and, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But um, I'm, I'm curious about that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I was thinking about this conversation about, um, you know, I'm working with a startup business in our, in our innovation challenge, our business competition. And, and, and really that is, uh, a business around mental well-being for fathers. Uh. And, and we were trying to help, help this business kind of figure out some, some questions to be answered as, as he's starting up. And, uh, I remembered that, you know, I owned, my own personal training business, and, and I worked with uh, I worked mm-hmm. with a partner in a in a medical fitness business, um, and I always had clients. But he and I were so different. This is the reason that we're not partners anymore. <laughs> That'll happen because we because we 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 never named the idea that we were so different. So um, you know, my partner's clients they they gave their personal choice and control up. Mm-hmm. So he was a extreme motivator, a big yeller as a personal trainer. Um, I always joked that the city that I lived in, I, I would often see somebody who held a high political office in our town um, vomiting outside the door at 6 a.m. And, and loved every minute of that. Okay. Um, and, and, and so, you know, those clients gave up their, their control yeah. to him mm-hmm. to make the decisions. Yeah. And as a trainer, for me, it was about showing you opportunities for decision right. and letting you make the decisions. Yeah, and I think you've just hit on something that's really like key to it, and that's the way that we think about control and then we think about choice. Um, and very often, we, I think we confuse the two. And just because uh, we have control or somebody has control over an environment or context that we find ourselves in, that doesn't mean that we don't have choice. I like to say that the most powerful thing that we have in life is choice. It is. Because really when you strip everything away, as long as we're 
cognitive, as long as we're conscious, uh, we, we have the ability to choose what to do or say at any given time. Even if, even if we like to say, well, I've, I was forced or I was threatened, at the end of the day, we still have that choice that we make. And I think that becomes key in understanding, especially as we're moving through change, that while we may not always believe we have control of the context that we're in, and of course, you know, that's, uh, we could have a philosophical discussion for days long about, you know, that, that idea of, uh, you know, whether we have really any control at all, because from one moment to the next, things can change. And I think that in of itself reminds us of that. But I, I, when you start looking at it through the lens of choice, we realize that we do have that sense of control about ourselves. We get to choose what to do or say. And I think in change, that becomes very important. How else could we then actually move through our fears, our losses? We have to be able to make decisions about what we want in our lives and what alignment looks like, which, would, which makes alignment even all the more powerful. Because if we look at it through the lens of alignment and what we really want in our lives and our relationships and our professional uh, pursuits, then we become much more conscious of our ability to make those kinds of choices. And I really do believe that really at the end of the day, that's what's happening in, in what we call the great resignation. And that the great resignation of, of itself is, is a way of seeing what's happening as an event in this greater context of, of, of the great alignment, which is that people are leaving their jobs, they're making the choices, they see the changes taking place at an accelerated rate around them, and in a way they're looking to become more centered, more, um, more consciously at ease with who they are and who they want to be in all aspects of their lives. And I think that calls for exploration. And very often exploration can be scary because you know we take risks. I think your comment about your partner is a really good one uh, and how it fits into this conversation because when we go through exploration, knowing ourselves and knowing whether we're more possibility-focused or more predictability, whether we are accepting risk as opposed to being risk-averse, these are all great things to know about ourselves so that the choices we make and the power of our choice really comes to life through that understanding of ourselves and being able to utilize that understanding in the choices, decisions we make. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. You know, when we when we roll out our topics and how we're going to approach the podcast for, for mm-hmm. a little bit, um, you know, part of me feels the weight of responsibility as an academic to go be super well-read. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and when we brought up change, you know, change management uh, in the business world is this uh, – you know, heavy, continuous um, uh, context in which so much is written about. And I picked up a Sloan Management Review uh, article um, this weekend that was about um, organizational change and the change in one's sense of self. Yeah, there it is. And so as you you mentioned that, I mean, this was really kind of an interesting because um, the authors, Griegerson and Lehman, talked about how one's identity moves and, 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 and successful change management must address the movement of one's identity. So, and, and, you know, I was having some conversations this weekend and testing some things out with some folks and this idea of, do you feel responsible for how others see you (laughs) or do you have some comfort 
right? I mean, and this is around that fear question that you brought up, or do you have some comfort in, in, in re-exploring you? Yeah. And getting down into the self con, yeah, getting to that level of self-concept. Who am I socially? Who am I, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, these aspects of who we are. And the reality here is the only way that we really, <laughs> and the way that we're led through that, which is, I, I find interesting because of the great fallacy of don't take this personal, which we all know is crap. <laughs> so at the end of the day, yeah, we're talking here about, you know, what's the feedback I get from the world around me? A, a, and to acknowledge and understand that every individual is going to be going through a, that psychological reorientation or transition as we move through change in any, in un, any form, fundamentally, that's what we experience. And then how well do we do it? And what, what, what's the messaging that I get? What's the messaging that I may have? I, I remember when I was, a, so I went to the Culinary Institute of America and was a chef and entrepreneur in, 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 in that industry. And um, I, I'll never forget the messaging I received from particularly my father and some other people saying, well, what are you doing? You're throwing away this remarkable career that you're building as a as a, a chef and right on the edge of being a celebrity chef. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, but I'm not aligned. I, you know, I'm not aligned to my family, et cetera. And all that messaging and overcoming that doubt as part of my exploration on where to go next, I would not be sitting here with you and having a 30-year career as a leadership and business psychologist had I not made that decision, that choice. So I could, you know, you hear people say all the time, well, I really don't have choice. You know, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And the reality is if we really explore and look at it through the lens of it being opportunity, then we can become more and more aware of the alignments we want in our life and how to manifest those. And at times, we're not going to make everybody around us happy. We won't. And I think you bring up a really important element of that because we spend a lot of time talking about change management. And, and so we're, it seems like we're, we're, we're managing the, the, the context more than we are the human relationships. So the idea of change leadership comes back around to say that really to be well-versed, especially in the business world, as as we create changes to create greater alignments in our business, to the customer experience and our cultures and our organizations. I think this is all a matter of being really, really uh, aware that what we're doing is leading and influencing um, people's health and their own alignments going forward. And uh, so I, th I think that's a really good piece that you hit on there. So in all the work that you do, Edgar, around the true alignment framework, we, we talk often about... Um, what kind of leadership um, belongs with uh, aligns with what kind of outcome? Yeah, True. and and you just mentioned something right there, which was this uh, influence on others. Um, you know, and this is you know one of the other roles I was thinking about for myself is the one of 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 being a professor. Mm -hmm. And uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Bob Noyd, who's a botanist, um, he called this to my attention years and years ago which was a, a gross realization that he was what he called a near transfer teacher. And he called me a far transfer teacher. And so what he meant is as a botanist at the end of the day, he really wanted his students to love plants so much that they would walk out into a field of flowers 
and be able to identify what flowers were in that field using a field guide. That was really his, his dream state, right? I mean, just a, um, a plant lover that wants to know what the plants are and can identify them using this guide. And he goes about that by teaching him, teaching his students, you know, all the parts of a plant. Yeah. And building up to love um, uh-huh. those plants. Um, for me, you know, I, I'm likely to bring you in the first day of class and show you what we're going to end up with. Mm-hmm. and let you try it on day one. And then we're going to fill in the gaps between where you are now and, and, and where we know you're going to be going. Yeah. And, he, and it made him so uncomfortable, um, right? Because it's not predictable. It's very human. I don't know what I'm going to yeah. get on day one. Um, and I kind of love the exhilaration and excitement of finding out something new and then being able to, to dance fast enough to get my students to go where I need them to go. Um, and, and that's always stuck with me, that near transfer versus far transfer. And as we talk about kind of change at that personal level, really a good teacher, whether you're near, tra- near transfer or far transfer, is trying to get other people to do something. Yeah, and that, uh, where my thought goes with that as I'm listening to you is that idea that uh, he wants the students to fall in love with the plants and to understand the plants and their makeup and um, to understand their being. And I think that when then you begin to look at through the lens of change leadership and leadership as a whole, I, I think as a leader, it really would, I, I would advocate thinking of using that same analogy or if you like a metaphor, is to, to love people as you do the plants. In other words, to take that idea of your botanist friend and professor and be able to translate that to, well, as a leader, I have to know, I have to know I, the people that I lead, the people that I'm influencing through my actions, the thing that I, things that I do and say. And without understanding them, that becomes difficult. And then you think about change management or change leadership through that lens and you begin to recognize how important it is as leaders that we understand what people are uh, transitioning through emotionally and psychologically as they move through a change, what their fears are, what their concerns are. Um, when you just think if uh, during the pandemic, as people think about changing roles or even just cultures, how much that impacts us emotionally. I'm working in an organization. I have constant contact with people day after day. I'm working in a culture. Now, all of a sudden, I'm looking at a screen. I'm on calls. I'm, in a way, I'm isolated. And yes, I'm communicating, yet it's in a different context. And that changes and shifts how I think about the culture. Keeping in mind that culture is all about how we interact with one another, how we individually and collectively get success and how quickly that has shifted for people. Now, how do I get to success in this new context that I'm working in? And so there's been a lot of conversation around how during the pandemic, people have lost touch of culture, and we hear from a lot of leaders, how do I now in this new world guide and lead a culture in alignment to the, to the customer experience, to the kind of EX or employee experience that we're actually seeking and while we can be very prescriptive about that, we cannot do that well without understanding what people are going through. Because 
it, it that would be much like you know getting a prescription for an ailment and it's way off target as to what's really happening within our bodies and so our ability to see it through that lens and for leaders to see it it's remarkably powerful yeah i read another article that was about outlining um four components of what they called the hard areas of of, of change management the hard areas change leadership and mm-hmm. you know i because i think you know their argument those authors uh which i'll come back to and name here in a second those authors would argue that so much is based around culture um in relationship uh, from yeah. the business world on on change um and they argue for um kind of the harder components and I, I guess they would define harder as a little bit more measurable. Right, um, sure. The reality is, as you go to read the article, you realize that um, there's no separation between what they were calling out as the soft part <laughs> and, and what they're naming as the hard part, you know, quote-unquote hard part. Yeah, I, I'm on I'm that mindset. you got to reverse those because <laughs> everybody talks about the soft skills, and then I ask, well, where, where are the real challenges? Well, they're in the soft, soft skills. skills. <laughs> well, of course. Exactly. Duh. Right. Well, and they, you know, they talked about these four areas of – um, you know, when you go through change that you have to pay attention to um, the duration. And, and what they were identifying in that Harvard Business Review article was that um, longer duration movements through change mm-hmm. were more successful if they had consistent review. Uh. Right? And that was the, the caveat of if they had consistent review. And then they talked about integrity. Um, you know, the... Um, and this was about um, this integrity they would have used as a substitution for alignment. That's often, yeah, that's a term that shows up quite often. Right, kind of methodical in the approach, um, um, (coughs) results-oriented, the ability to tolerate some ambiguity. Yes. Um, And then they talked about um, commitment. And it was commitment on multiple levels, commitment of self in that change, mm-hmm. um, and the commitment that it was in the relationship between self and others. Right, how we keep our promises to one another, uh, which we typically refer to in business as accountability, right? Totally, right. It's about keeping promises. Well, and then the fourth thing they talked about, the authors talked about, was effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is Sirkin, um, Kiernan, and Jackson – um, from Harvard Business Review, and they talked about, in terms of effort, how much beyond normal is required in the change. Yeah, that's really good. I'm glad you gave me the air quotes <laughs> to go with that. <laughs> good one. Yeah, what, what is normal uh, and what's required? I, I, you've hit on a. Here's some thoughts that I have with what you just shared. The first one is, is that um, the review and the... Uh, what, what, what people are seeking is, um, and, and this shows up in all the data around why people, you know, in the, in the big quit, the, the great resignation. I think that the, uh, the, this idea of getting enough feedback is vital uh, for a number of reasons, including just trust. If I have consistent feedback, I begin to, to understand better what the truth is of what I'm hearing and what someone's um, wanting to share with me. So I think that's really important. And so this idea of what's normal, I think overall we don't, in, in the business context, we don't see enough feedback. You know, performance management is, or reviews, it's, you know, 
feedback every quarter, whatever it happens to be, as opposed to the day in and day out conversation. So I think what the normal and what we ought to be striving for in a normal is that there's an ongoing dialogue between leaders and their people around how they're doing and how well they're performing and how they can be better and better and better. So uh, I think in change, to rev it up during change, and of course now with the pandemic and people being remote, there's been a greater focus on that, which actually has been, if you look at it as an exploration piece in change, I think is wonderful because it does heighten our, it, it increases at least our awareness of the need for that. So that's one thought. Uh, the other one is um, when you look at the different, or here's the hard stuff, or things that we can measure, you know, very often it's activity-based. And so we're measuring activity when really when you start thinking about what's the outcome of those activities, I'm sure the, the authors of the article probably considered that. In other words, how do, we, how do we at the end of the day measure success beyond activity? Activity doesn't guarantee a success. It's also how well we how well we do it. That really gets us there. So I think at the end of the day, there's there's really three things, if you strip everything away that people are, are yearning for and looking for. Uh, the first one is that they do get, they do get ongoing um, feedback, that they do get ongoing uh, information about how they're doing and how they could do better. And in a way, even more importantly than is to be heard, in other words, if, if we're going through a performance uh, conversation, you know, how are you doing? What's working for you? What's not? The last question I think always needs to be asked is, and how can I help you? And I can't really ask that question well or have an idea of what that may look like unless I really, really listen to you. So we're back to the quality of, through which the dialogue exists and is encouraged by how well leaders listen. So The second one speaks to success. So I'm being heard, I, I'm, I'm being listened to, and then the second one is, what are you doing to help me succeed? What does that look like? And what kind of help do I need to do that? And in change, I believe that really gets magnified. Keep in mind, when people are in change, they, they fear loss of connectivity. Obviously, during the pandemic, that one was really illustrated clearly to us. They want connectivity. They want, to, they, they want connection with everyone around them, including their leader. And then they want to know, how do I succeed? How do I succeed? What are my needs in terms of skills, talents, capabilities? And to have that conversation. So how do we help people create success? Because one of the losses that happens in change, one of the things that really throws us off in our transitions are when we feel insecure about what success looks like and how to get there. And it becomes a moving target during change than at other times in our lives. Change is always there. The thing is when it gets when it gets magnified or, you know, picks up in terms of energy, then we worry more and more about how am I going to be competent? How can I succeed? What do I need to do differently? What do I need to learn? I have to give up a lot of my ideas about what got me here, and I have to figure out how to get there. And that's all part of that exploration. And then the last one, which I think at the end of the day needs to be represented very clearly, is that people want the truth. They want honesty. When we're going through change, a lot of times what happens is we're given a storyline of what's possible that we can't actually truly believe in. And that's problematic. And that begins with really hearing the truth. And so that last piece, that openness and that truth that's, that's so, so necessary to success is often the one 
that we uh, don't, we don't measure up to as leaders. And I think that becomes key. And as we go through exploration, it's much like, what does life look like when a, when a loved one is lost? You know, where do we go next? What is this going to actually look like? And let's be truthful about that. Let's be truthful about the consequences of a change um, in terms of losing someone, a separation. If I, if I am at risk of losing my job or, or not knowing where I'm going to go next, what might that look like? And in, in the end of the day, when you think about people leaving their jobs, some are leaving without having a beginning in mind. They're creating an ending because they know they're out of alignment. They're looking for something. So this exploration being truthful with myself, what does alignment look like? First and foremost, I have to be able to understand the self, which takes us all the way back to really where we started this. Yeah, that it, you know, the, there's so many things that are coming to my mind, Edgar, as, as you're speaking. One is uh, uh, another poor movie reference, which maybe we ought to make a consistent thing that we put in every single podcast, but... Don't put, nobody puts my baby in the corner. Is that where we're going <laughs> we with this? We can't go to that no. terrible of a movie. Oh. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll <laughs> talk about kidding at some point. Thanks for the lie. <laughs> no, you know, I, I honestly, as, as you were talking about, um, you know, those kinds of components of, of realizing what got you here, you might need something different to get you somewhere else. Yeah. It comes to that choice and control. And I, I just I had a I had a very vivid uh, Karate Kid flashback right there, right? I mean, and if you remember how um, you know the two characters in that movie came together, it was uh, you know Ralph Macchio's character doing, uh, <laughs> learning, teaching himself karate from the book, <laughs> while the handyman is fixing the sink in the apartment, right? Right. And and you know he was perfectly fine up to that point, getting himself to that exact moment and it wasn't that he realized he needed that connection he needed he needed an external influence um you know and as we talk about this kind of self and and then because the other vivid image that's coming to my mind is one of the internal monologue and so i know mine goes incessantly (laughs) self-talk never stops (laughs) by the way another term for that is dreaming even in our sleep we're talking to ourselves yeah (laughs) absolutely um but you know how important that part is to be able to listen to and then to listen to external uh-huh. influences simultaneously. Yeah. Right. And I think and often we don't often put, we forget to put those two things together to find our alignment. Yeah. Well said. You know, and I think, uh, you know, the other role that I'm thinking about as, as we were talking about change is quite frankly, the role of being a parent. You know, and we're watching our kids go through school, and um, you know, a lot of the questions are: this thing is not being given to me in the way I want it. Um, you know, and we were, my wife and I were having a particularly acute conversation as our daughters are experiencing finals now in college, and um, they have no idea why this thing they're doing matters for them. And I think that's, you know, the one thing in higher ed that we've done so poorly is we've never, we don't make a conscious effort to align the thing you're doing to the thing you want to do later, Um, right? I mean, we offer it up and we hope you find self in those things, but we don't do it consciously. Yeah, and so that brings up, as a parent, you're leading your child, your daughters, and what you're doing is you're helping them through through that stage of exploration, I always think that very often leaders uh, manifest change 
looking forward and thinking about what's possible and setting goals, objectives, you know, the measurements and everything. I think the how to get there is the part of the conversation that often eludes us. In other words, let's explore how to get there. Let's explore about the challenges and let's explore, you know, the psychological challenges that we're going to engage in as we move to actually create a change and to try and do that in a more well controlled or, you know, outcome based fashion says, well, I want some sense of security. And the only way to really understand what security looks like is to speak to the insecurity, to be able to name it, to be able to talk about it. I think that that becomes all part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to uh, give you a heads up here. We're running out of time. Yeah. So I was going to say that, you know, our next uh, podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about success and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so you can see this conversation that we've had here about change uh, has brought up a lot of stuff. Uh, the idea of, of self, the idea of connection uh, and, and community and relationship with others. And uh, we'll bring those topics forward as we talk in the next podcast about success and fulfillment. Yeah, and when we think about transition, moving through change, and we think about exploration, uh, really center to at what at the end of the day we will see as our own success is our ability to explore um, what those definitions are and to be truthful and honest with ourselves and the people around us as to what those what what those look like. So with that in mind, um, just to remind you all that you can visit our website at truealignment.com. Again, all thoughts, questions, comments uh, in the future, we will be broadcasting live. And um, we'll, we will also um, have some special programs with guests where we'll have extended time for the podcast, allowing an interaction with you, our audience. So look, we look forward to that. We invite you to that in the future. Keep in mind, you can also visit the website and learn more about the uh, Exec Ed and the Learning to Lead program here at the university that Kenner and I are involved with. So please have a look at that. It's a wonderful learning opportunity and a great way to uh, to look at your own transitions and your own and your own paths to to alignment. So with that, I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf, and this is True Alignment. Thanks for joining us and um, joining us again in the future. See you then.